Welcome to another episode of Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for the second season, and I'm here for our first roundtable of debates. Um, we'll have a fixed amount of, of guests here tonight. Um, um, right next to me is Guilherme Paturin. Please introduce yourself. Bom dia, boa tarde, boa noite. My name is Guilherme Paturin. Um, I am 19 years old. I am from Brazil. I'm currently a second year in the University of Toronto, studying international relations and peace, conflict, and justice. I'm very excited to be here, and yeah, hope we have a great time. Next to him, Raquel Serrano. Hi there, uh, my name is Raquel. I'm from Quito, Ecuador. Uh, I'm as well a second year student studying international relations, uh, women and gender studies, and environmental studies. And I'm really happy to be here and excited to see where this project goes. And to my left, Ana Rodriguez. Hi, hi, I'm Anna Rodriguez. I'm a fourth year student, I think. I'm the oldest one here, I'm 21. I study Latin American Studies and Sociology, um, and I'm really excited to work with all of you this year. It's gonna be exciting. Okay, amazing. So this time we decided to talk about something a little bit more cultural, social, the idea of Latinoness in Toronto. My wow. first question to everyone <laughs> here is, so well, I've been here for about three years now, and I feel that maybe in my first year that's when I really discovered I was a Latino or at least I, per I perceived myself as a Latino. How long did it take or has it taken, has it happened yet for you to perceive yourselves as Latinos in an international community? I mean, I think I'm in a different situation than all of you. I was born in Colombia but I was raised in Canada and in very different parts of Canada. So in Toronto specifically, I think it was the easiest place to be Latino for me or like Latina because you come here and then like people know what a Latina is like people have an idea I mean we could say it's good, bad, preconceived <laughs> notions but it's in their imaginary, people know um, so it's kind of easy for me to say yeah I'm Latina and I felt it as soon as I got here uh, so I guess for me but I've, my whole life I've just known I'm a Colombian, I'm a Canadian, I'm a Latina like that's always been it for me so yeah because the thing for me at least is uh, as a Brazilian um, I didn't consider myself Latino. I don't know if it was the same thing for you, Gilly. But um, because I didn't speak Spanish, or at least initially I didn't properly speak Spanish, I still don't. I felt myself as just Brazilian, and the other Spanish-speaking countries in Latin America were the Latinos. I even used to make this joke with an Argentine friend that I had in high school, and I used to call him like, oh, you filthy Latino. Well, I'm Brazilian, <laughs> like, I'm beyond you. Um, so, and when I got here, I was uh, I was talking about like racial differences, whiteness and stuff with um, people in first year. And at some point in the conversation, I was like, hey, um, yeah, because I'm white, of course. Like in Brazil, I'm considered white. And they're like, no, you're Latino. It's like, hmm? no, I'm white. Uh, they're like, no, you're Latino. Like, look at you. And I was like, damn, I think I am. So I realized myself as part of this community being here. So I'm just wondering if you have this like same relationship because uh, for me it was uh, it was it was a it was a smooth transition into this like Latinoness although I still try to differentiate myself as Brazilian for example. Uh, well, in my case, like when I was back home, I knew that I was an Ecuadorian first rather than a Latina, but when I came here, it was like the same experience of like yeah I'm I'm from Ecuador but like I'm a Latina so. Uh, and that is like what people perceive of us. They're like, yeah, she's from Ecuador, but like she's a Latina. And at least in my group of friends, because, well, Latinos, I think we are a minority here, of course. So it's just like how, how they perceive of us and like what they know about us. It's just like very limited. And one of like funny stories that I have is that uh, I was with a group of friends. They're all from all over the world. 
and uh, she they, they were referring about this friend that um, she's brown so like they were saying oh she's brown because of her skin color and like another friend that is black so like this person is black another person that is white she's white but when they it was like my, my turn they were like she's not brown but she's not white like they, it would, I'm not like a white type of person of what mm -hmm. they think as how a white person would look like mm -hmm. Uh, but back home, the situation is not the same. We're just like white, and it's kind of like the same case as, as Yulia. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's just like interesting to see how people perceive of, about us, and not only by our physical features, but also like our our what really matters. I think is our skin color, at least for them, and like how we add our behavior and what we think. Yeah, absolutely agree. Actually, before you said about how um, when I lived in Brazil, I didn't really consider myself. A Latino, especially because I mean, uh, I have family from Spain, so for the longest time, my, my, when I spoke Spanish, my accent would be from Spain, very Castellano. So, a lot of people, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself Latino at all. At best, I'd consider myself Hispanic, not even. I only really considered myself Latino when I came here and I met this amazing community of uh, Latinos here in Toronto, which are one of well, some of my best friends here, really. Um, so, yeah, I guess I, I only started fitting in into that. I didn't find myself as a Latino here in, in Toronto, as you did, Leo. Especially because, I don't know, in Brazil we have this, I think we have this perception of, not, not superiority, I don't want to say superiority, but like, of how like, oh, um, no, seriously, because everyone, all, every country around South America speaks Spanish, right? We don't, so we always have this thing of like, thinking, oh, there's them and there's us, so like, yeah. so I think that's absolutely a thing, don't you? Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh... And then I just wonder whether, um, because at least from my experience here with Latinos in Toronto, there seems to be kind of a, a rift between the Brazilians and the Latin or like the Spanish-speaking community. I wonder if there's any like how to integrate both, right? That's that's usually my that's kind of my goal too, because it's like I've been trying really hard. I'm president of the Brazilian Student Association here at U of T, and we've been trying to integrate with the Latino community. But sometimes it's really hard. I feel that not only there's a language barrier, but the cultural barrier is is so huge, so different. I mean, of course, there's uh, different cultures within Latin America that change a lot within the Spanish-speaking countries. But it seems to me like in Brazil, it's like this this rift that breaks us apart from the rest. The term Latino, it's kind of dumb to me. I, I, it's controversial, but I just... To label people from an entire continent as one, like, cohesive group, just doesn't... It doesn't make sense to me. You wouldn't, like... We all recognize that Asian countries are very different, so we wouldn't expect all Asian countries to, you know, have the same culture, same, you know, music, all these things, but in North America, Latinos are one group. One, one people that have the same culture and some people do like attach themselves to that when they come here and they're like, you know, yeah, I'm Latino, I can get along with people from everywhere in South America. But I think that's a little, you know, simplistic. We're not like people from Mexico, people from Argentina, people, they have different cultures, different music, different everything. And I think the thing that unites them here in North America is language. It's, it's Spanish. And so people are like, okay, we speak the same language. Like that's our common ground and maybe our music is similar. And so now we're throwing Brazilians into this mix and it's harder because you're like, okay, like, what do we have in common? Okay, our music, mm, kind of, mm, not the same. Yeah. Language, I can kind of understand you, you can kind of understand me. We're from the same continent, so that's the thing, like, why do we have to paint everyone with the same, like, stroke? It's, it's different and I think it should be, like, trying to get the whole community, are we a community? That's another question. Yeah, that's <laughs> Together. A question. Um, and just try to understand our differences and Instead of just trying to like be one, like yeah, we can come together with our differences, but I don't think we have to like 
you know, be this one huge monolithic entity yeah. that I don't think exists, to be quite honest. I was talking more about like having, finding a common ground. I think it's necessary sometimes to find a common ground, and especially in, as you said, like the monolithic block that they, that other people perceive us as being. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be able to, to break this barrier, we have to be able to find some common ground within us, to be able to construct an identity that is beyond what's like perceived. So let me give an example. Sorry to interrupt. Have you heard of the term abayana? No. Have you guys heard of it? No. I just learned about it, like, so I'm no expert, but it's this new term. I think it comes out of Chile, out of like some Afrofeminism in Chile, and it's an indigenous word yeah. that basically means like everyone coming from the continent. And it doesn't, it's not like a Latin American identity, mm -hmm. but it's just like coming from that continent. And mm. I think that's a better term. And okay. I know, like, I was speaking to, um, an exchange student from France and their ONES, their organization of Latin American students, is actually like the Avayana organization, the student organization. How does the term go again? Avayana? I don't know how to spell like it. Like the sandu. Avayana. <laughs> no, so I've only I've only ever heard it like spoken, so I don't know how it's yeah. spelled out. But um and then OCAD. Mm -hmm. They just started a, like an ONES but under that name. Yeah. Maybe that's the common ground. Like maybe we need to break away from this Latin America like seed like this mm -hmm. imposed term anyways and do we come up with a new term to unite us i don't know what do you think because in a way it goes beyond the cultural differences right exactly. it's like it's geography it's just i'm because i'm close to you so let's like yeah. let's mm -hmm. join together and i think that's what unite us because like as you said like we have different accents even in spanish we have different accents we have different like traditional food we have different music we we have many different aspects in, in our culture but kind of like what we all share together is like we, can, we all come from, from South America, so I think that this term sounds pretty, I don't know, interesting and like I'm totally looking forward to like know more about it and, and see if we can actually use this to refer to like, all of us and like how this term maybe like shape our identity in the future. Okay, I just want to shift gears here um, and think about bad stuff. Bad uh, stuff. <laughs> discrimination. Ooh. Has it happened? If it has, how? At least from my personal experience. There are perceptions of stereotypes that they put onto you, which I there's a really fine line between being stereotyped and being racialized, I think. Uh, so for example, I went to this Halloween party the other day and I I had this I had this funny outfit and I uh, I looked like a person from the 70s and I had a, a plastic gun with me and I have a mustache. And of course I was compared to Pablo Escobar. When I got there, I was like, oh, you're Pablo Escobar. And I was like, no, I'm not Pablo Escobar. I'm like this other costume that I, that I decided to go as. And I felt a bit offended, you know? So I felt placed within the stereotype, uh, which wasn't exactly racism, but it was still like, mm, I don't like it. How about you guys? This is very tricky because I think discrimination, like, yeah, it, there's a fine line. I think it's been more for me personally, because I'm white like white passing whatever so it's been more like stereotypes and in Toronto I think it's actually better than the rest of Canada mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in a very rural area of Canada where I was I think the only Latina in my entire school district okay so like nobody like um, and so like yeah I've had kids come up to me and be like how do you make a burrito like haha enchiladas and like it didn't affect me because I was like okay like obviously they're they don't know what you know they're they just know a Latina based off like Mexican stereotypes and um, 
but it does get a little more serious like my teachers like I did face you know some issues with teachers uh, I remember this like, I'll never forget this I was in grade 8 and we had an assignment where you had to like do a graph and like do the coordinates of a map and then color it in. Very simple. And so I did the Colombian map because you know I'm very proud of my heritage and whatever. Um, and then we've also the Colombian, not map, sorry, flag. Flag is what I'm trying to say. The Colombian flag. Um, and the yellow is like significantly bigger than the blue and red stripes. Uh, and I got marks taken off because he said it should be proportional. Like they should be the mm -hmm. same size. And I was like, uh, no, they shouldn't. He's like, yeah, they should. So it, little things like that. I remember I was getting my graduation picture taken for grade 12, and as soon as as soon as he's gonna like you know take the picture, he goes, "Oh, you're Colombian. What do you think of Pablo Escobar?" So those pictures, terrible, terrible. My face is just kind of like, what? Why would you ask me about that? Um, and I think coming to Toronto, it's it's a bit better. People are more aware of like the diversity and you know are a little bit more culturally sensitive. But I definitely think it's the stereotypes. Like number one thing someone's gonna say to you when you tell them that you're Colombian. Cocaine, narcos, you know, Medellin, drug trafficking, so. And I feel these stereotypes are a little bit yeah. more employed um, in Latino culture, at least towards Latinos, than to other peoples, right? Like, you don't usually come up to, as in Brazil, it happens a lot. If you say you come from an Arab country, people will go like, oh, you're a terrorist. <laughs> like, yeah, it happens, it's right? Often, yeah, so this is not a thing here. Like, you would never go to someone, like, dress... An Arab, uh, an Arab person coming into a Halloween party with a, a gun and you would call him a terrorist. Like, no one would say that, right? Because it's considered like, like you're being racist. And then why not with Pablo Escobar, right? Because Pablo Escobar is our violence problem. It's our drug trafficking problem that was imposed by other people too. So like, why can't this be considered like a topic that we can be angered at or at least some kind of, 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 of preconceived notion that that annoys me, you know? Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right, actually. But I think, I think I've talked to you about this before, because Pablo Escobar, in specific, like him, just this example, it's, I think it's because of that Narcos TV show. Like, yeah. it made him seem too cool, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it didn't, like, yeah, of course he kills people, but people take that as entertainment, yeah? yeah? So, like, it made him seem like, oh, a cool, badass kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I guess a lot of people um, like him because of that show, even though it doesn't depict, like, the atrocities he committed in Colombia. So, yeah. I think that's and also this trope is being used a lot, right? Like the, I mean, if you go on Netflix, you see so many narcos, so many um, entertainment related to Latin America that's related to its violence, related to its problems. And yes, of course, we have shared problems and, and, and that we should talk about. But it seems to me like yeah, exactly how you said. It's like it's made into entertainment, and that reflects onto us because then I become entertainment. Like I become the stereotype of the drug dealer. Like I don't want to be that. Of course not. One of like the kind of like issues that I have to deal with is that yes, I'm from Ecuador. Yes, I'm a Latina. But when I do something or like when I cook, people are like, oh, is that just like a like a Latino thing? Or I'm like, no, that's just a Raquel thing. It's not like. I, sometimes I feel that they're kind of like constantly watching you and being like, whatever she does is like what all the Latino people will do. I don't like that because it just like, it puts like on me a lot of pressure that I don't really want to deal with. It just like, the things that I do is really like, the way I am has been shaped by like how my parents raised me, like my, my, my cultural background. So it's not just like the, the way I do things, the way I think, it's just like how Raquel thinks. And I don't want them to assume that 
how I think or how I do stuff. It's just how everyone in Latin America will do stuff. Even like people in my city, just like, I don't like just being kind of like stereotyped by the things I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something that you think about. For example, people in Canada, it's like, you see a Canadian, you're not going to kind of like assume that all Canadians will do that thing because like, that's not a thing here. Yeah. But when we are a minority here and when they don't know much about us, when they only know because of they watch Narcos or uh, because they know what's going on between Mexico and the United States, just like, that's the only, when they only know those kind of things about Latin America, it's so easy for them to be like, that's the way it is in like the whole continent. And I just, I don't like that. And that's one of the reasons why I try, like every time, for example, that I cook, like from home, or I usually try to teach or like, kind of like educate my friends or like people that I'm surrounded and being like, no, that's not a thing. Like, it is not how it works. Like Narcos is, yeah, it's, it's a TV show. Like you need to know that there's, <laughs> Kind of like there's a truth behind it, but it's also like fiction at the end. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we can do to educate people about our culture and our, our countries, our cities, and like just like make sure like that they know that it's not okay to label us as like the same because at the end we are not. Can I complicate things a bit? Yeah, okay. Can I? Can we talk about stereotypes and discrimination within our own community oh. and what it means to be a Latino to other Latinos? I don't know, probably not for you guys, but I've, this is a big thing for me now growing up. Lots of people don't think I'm a Latina or I'm Latina enough because I grew up here, right? So it's, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the same, right? It's, it's different. I think my Spanish is pretty good. It's gotten better. Um, I used to speak very poorly, so that was a big thing. I'd go to Colombia and people would be like, ah, you're, no, you're not one of us, you're Canadian. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so it's language what defines me. Yeah. So yeah, what do you guys think about that? Like, who gets to decide? Who, like, what is what is a Latino at the end, and like how does that shape discrimination in our community? Because I think there's a very specific view of what a Latino is, and if you don't fit that within the community or outside, you don't get to say you're a Latino. I totally understand your point, and it's actually one of the things when people are really surprised when they see, for example, a black Latino or like very like white Latino, they're like, you are not Latina, like. That's not a thing. How do you know that? Like, ha- have you been there? Have you been in like all the South American countries? Like, how how do you get to like that point? And yeah, I think it's, I think it might be it might have been very very hard for you to identify yourself. Like, am I like just like Colombian? Am I Canadian? Like, if you could if you go to Colombia and you're like I'm not Colombian enough, or if you are here, do you have enough characteristics to be considered as a Canadian? So like, do you want to tell us more about how kind of like you went to the point of like defining yourself as like, no, I'm a Colombian Canadian rather than just a Colombian or just a Canadian? Yeah, it's been a long process for me. It's very confusing. It's because when you're, I mean, for me in my experience, um, I'm here in Canada. Born, like I wasn't born here, but I came when I was two years old. So you could practically say I was born here. Uh, but in my early years, I was like my parents only spoke Spanish to me. I had a lot of Spanish, like Spanish-speaking friends, Colombian friends in in my elementary school. So I always felt very attached to my culture in that way. But at that same time, like real Canadian kids, like the white Anglo-Saxon kids from my school, would be like, "Yeah, like you're not Canadian because you know you you speak a different language sometimes. You eat food that's not like ours. So like that was ingrained in me." Then I moved to a rural setting in Prince Edward Island. And that's when it was like the most confusing time of my life because I was trying to, you know, trying to make new friends, new school and everything, but they had never met someone who spoke Spanish. Like 
We moved in and people at the post office would be like, oh, you guys are the Rodriguez? You guys are the you guys are the Latinos, right? Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, what? what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so at this time I started, I was like, okay, like time to shed myself of this Colombian culture. I need to fit in. So I like, you know, just became like very Canadian, I guess you could say, like listening to folk music and country music mm-hmm. and doing that stuff. But at the same time, I was never one of them. Like I was never, like although I was part of the friend groups, I was, you know, all these things. There's still like cultural knowledge about Canada that I don't have, like I don't know. Like I didn't listen to 80s rock. Like my parents had their own music. So that's, there's never gonna be that full Canadian-ness. And at that same time, I was losing my Spanish. So I was in some part losing my Colombian-ness. It, it was weird. And so I remember one summer I went to Colombia and people are like, why aren't you talking? Like, why are you so quiet? And I was like, because I'm ashamed. Like, I feel like I don't belong here. Like, I can't be around you guys. Um, and then I was like, you know what, Anna? Like, grow up, like, get over it. <laughs> Practice your Spanish. And I came to university and I actually, like, that's when I felt like I'm truly Latina because I met other people like me. You know, I improved my Spanish. I met friends from like all over Latin America. And that's when I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I can be both. And like, no one really gets to tell me. Like, I am the one who tells me who I am like I don't really care what other people say because at the end of the day do they even know who they are no so like I'm gonna decide for myself who I am and that's kind of how I got here yeah yeah I think that like that's perfect because answering the question that we were asking before about who gets to to say if we are Latinos or not it's just like it depends it's up it's opponents it's like we have the power like as individuals to say we consider ourselves as Latinos as Ecuadorians or Brazilians as Colombians or whatever we want to kind of like identify ourselves with. But then don't you think that sometimes when we try, at least that's from my personal experience in first year here in Toronto, I ended up entrenching myself. I came here with a lot of nationalistic pride. That's like, yes, I will represent Brazil in the international scenario. So whenever I could fit Brazil into something, I would because it was like, oh, this is my specialty. And I think that I, I can contribute to this like international conversation by putting Brazil in the picture. I, it would go from class discussions in which I would only talk about Brazil, Latin America, because I was like, okay, I need to assert myself as the person that knows, or I need to show them that this place exists. Because sometimes, at least in my political science classes, we don't talk that much about Latin America. Latin America is kind of omitted from, from the general discourse. So, so my tactic was to entrench myself, and in fact, the, my, my best moment of cultural and, and musical discovery of, of Brazil was actually here. Because I was like, I don't want to listen to Drake. I don't want to listen to pop music from Canada. I don't want to listen to 80s rock from Canada, although Rush is really good. I, I, I want to listen to Brazilian stuff. So I went back into, into my own culture and I was consulting people and I, was, and I was like, okay, I want to know and I want to survey my own culture so that I can like export it there. So in a way, I was entrenching myself from like the, the exposure or the cultural exposure that, for example, Anna had. Um, which I think is a bad thing, right? Well, yeah, I agree. I think like now, I mean, I didn't actually realize this, but as you were talking, I did realize that I, I did do the exact same thing my first year. So, uh, yeah, yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. when I came, yeah, I, I wanted I, I wanted to be the different guy. I, didn't, yeah. I, I got here and I was like, no, I, I can't. I'm not Canadian. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not this. I can't be this. Mm-hmm. So that's when I tried to like always like, be sure to introduce myself. I'm Brazilian. Um, I would always listen to Brazil. Always listen to Brazilian music loudly in my room. <laughs> and um, yeah, I generally talk about Brazil a lot. And assimilation. I think that's too much of a hard word. But like, I I refuse to let myself any Canadianness like 
get into my um, persona, let's say. Yeah, I did exactly what I did entrench myself into Brazilianness a lot when I got here. I think, I don't know if you can tell us more about this thought that you have about not letting being like shaped by kind of like what Canadians do or like Canadian culture. I think that's quite difficult to do because like at the end you are immersed here. Like you are living with people that are Canadian. You go to a Canadian university. So like, can you tell us more like how, how can you kind of like avoid being influenced by Canadian culture while you are immersed in the culture? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to add on to that. What do you perceive as Canadian culture mm -hmm. that you don't want? Okay, so like, um. I studied in American school my whole life, right? So like, we always spoke English. But um, at the same time, we would only speak English in class. We would never, ever, ever, it was inconceivable to speak English like outside of a school setting. You really yeah, know. same thing. Inconceivable <laughs> to speak English outside of the classroom or like in the, I don't know, in the lunch area, I guess. Yeah. You, you just wouldn't do it. So we always, like, even though we went to an American school, we, from an early age, I guess, my group of friends, we, we dislike the United States a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. So we refuse to participate in like, I guess, let's say American culture. So, but that was really small because I only went to an American school, my teachers were American, there was not much there. I would just speak Portuguese and went home and that was fine. But now I live in Canada and I don't know, the, the, I, I don't hate Canada by the way, just putting that out. <laughs> I don't. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I do not hate Canada. Deport this man right now. <laughs> um, on purpose but for example the elections right when the brazilian elections were going on i was like i couldn't think about anything else when like yeah the, when i would we, talk to him it was just brazilian election. Uh, <laughs> i couldn't think about anything else i was going crazy about it i was literally a like, campaigning on the internet for my <laughs> candidate like i, I ah but then when the canadian elections came around Como, me da igual. Like, I didn't care at all who won. Never informed myself, I never participated in any conversation regarding that. And I guess that, in a way, not on purpose, maybe a bit on purpose, but like, I just do not talk about, I don't know, Canadian things at all, ever. I, I just don't. At least for me, my when I got here, the perceived notion was that Canada is the liberal version of the US. So here people, people are gonna treat me like a nicer, but they're still individualistic. So that's why I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna maneuver by kind of being within my culture. So I would present myself as so, so that people wouldn't, they're like, okay, so then he's not within this. He's not within this framework. So either A, it could be good because the person could help me like integrate, or B, bad where the person goes like, nah. Um, which ne which is never the case. And, and I wouldn't go to Tim Hortons. I wouldn't go to Starbucks. Well, I Hortons. refused. What? I've never been to Tim Hortons. Really? Yes. What? We're going to Tim Hortons right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can try the tea, but it's there, like amazing. Yeah, you've never like oh never my stepped foot Not a single Tim donut. None. None. Zero. It's iconic. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's living here for so long. Tim Hortons is terrible now. <laughs> no one likes Tim Hortons anymore because it's oh. like so it's anyway. So this is completely off topic. But. Yeah, no. Oh no, that was that. So then, actually, I don't know if you guys know, but Tim Hortons is owned by Brazilians. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks a lot. They're owned by Brazilians, yeah. Like, the, um, at least from what I know, the, sh the, the majority shareholders are Brazilians. Wow. That's pretty. Yeah. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. So then, when, now that I discovered it's Brazilian, I can actually go to Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, so then, yeah, I was refusing these really small things. 
which I associated to like American individualism. But it, but I realized it goes beyond that because if you only have these, or at least you only have, well, you're integrating to these this culture. There's no way out of it. Like you're gonna have to go to Tim Hortons. You're gonna have to like that's a very you can't escape the double double. <laughs> um, you're still gonna have to be in these environments. So for me, it was um at least in this beginning, this, this uh, early transition, it was entrenching myself within my culture, but also being within these environments to be able to explore them. And then now I'm able to, I think understand them a little bit more it's like oh it's not this menace i thought it was it's uh it's less bad and actually other people and people within my culture also enjoy it too so i was i now i'm progressively moving less towards this entrenchment and more towards exposure of my culture but not firm affirmation that i'm from there from from there so uh for example and in, in first year i only hug people like I would, I wouldn't like to like handshake because oh, yeah. here you have this personal space thing, and I was, and I was like, no, I want to affirm my Latinoness by being very, like, very warm. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to be able to present myself as the yeah. warm person because this is not a, it's at least it's not perceived here as the norm. Yeah. So I, I would, I would come up and hug people, and of course oh, I had God. so many <laughs> uncomfortable yeah. moments. Um, to the. Uh, and, and then I, what I would say is that people would get uncomfortable and say, "Oh, sorry, I'm Latino," and I would make a joke out of it, and 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 that's and it kind of relates back to what we we're talking about in like fighting stereotypes. I never fought stereotypes, and I think that up to this point I don't. So give, going back to the Pablo Escobar example, I just laughed. I just laughed and I said, "Yeah." So like I don't. I I either accept it or make fun of it, and it just I think it just propagates it, right? But I mean, at the same time, it's training. Fighting stereotypes is draining so yeah. i mean at the end of the day like you can't change everyone's mind you can't educate everyone so sometimes it's just easier to be like you know what haha and then walk away yeah and even within the community like how many latinos did i see on instagram dressing up as pablo escobar this <laughs> this halloween like it happens not everyone within the community is against these stereotypes and it's hard like someone will say like oh yeah this guy got mad at me but that other guy he's dressed up as pablo escobar so like doesn't matter what I say. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, is it worth it? Do you guys, is it worth it to fight these stereotypes every single time it happens? I think, obviously, if someone says something way out of line or like, you know, it's someone close to you, you have to call them out. But what do you think? I think, as, as you said, it could be like really affect your wellness mm -hmm. by trying to all the time be like, no, that's not how it works. This is the way it is. It's just like, sometimes I feel that I'm kind of tired of doing that. So like at the end I end up just like, you know what, I'm just not going to like, I don't know, keep talking to you or like, that's it. I just know that you are not going to kind of be open-minded to accept what I'm trying to say. But yeah, I, I think just like depends. Depends the situation, depends on the, the person. Um, and depends if you really have like a, like a counter argument. And if you want to say that, because it's also like, up to you if you want to share for example a personal experience to someone to kind of like make them understand your point like you don't have to do so so like yeah i just find it really depends yeah i think i think that gilly fights back adding no, no. <laughs> <Gilly fights laughs> I have a story about this. all the time adding adding to what you just said how, how can you fight it right i think there are ways and ways of fighting <laughs> <laughs> i'll never forget this fun story so my school uh we had an anyone conference in washington dc so in the states i was with a friend 
and we were talking to this American girl, and she said, where are you from? He said, Brazil. And she, and she proceeded to say, oh, do you play soccer and like dance to the samba and the funk? And my friend does none of these things. And he, he gets super offended, so he, go, <laughs> so he goes, oh, no, I don't. Um, are you from the States? And she's like, yes. And he said, do you shoot up schools? Oh. So I think that was, there, there are ways oh. and ways yeah. of, of <laughs> wow. fighting. And I think, for example, that's a terrible way of doing it. But I think that if you um, casually and, and nicely like remind the person, oh, see, this is what you're saying, it's not very nice, it's, it's a stereotype, you shouldn't do it, I think that's fine. But again, as you said, Raquel, I completely agree, if you do it all the time, it'll drain you. Because I did drain me in first year when I yeah. used to do it all the time. So then, given all this conversation about Latinas, what are, what are, what are the points moving forward in terms of, uh, of understanding ourselves in a different country as Latinos? But not only that, when we're going back home, because I think that's also important things to say, because we go, at least all of us go back home, like I'm going back home for Christmas. So do you feel any differences when you go back home? Is, is it any point of change? That is the next question. I'm actually looking forward to that, because uh, this Christmas is the first time that I'm going back home uh, since, I, since I left for uni. So like, I just want to see how I think about like being a Latina, being an Ecuadorian, mm -hmm. and I'm just like really looking forward to what's going to happen there, but also what's going to happen when I come back to Canada. And mm -hmm. If this experience of going home, it's going to change my perceptions about what kind of like a Latino is, or just like my general beliefs. Because I found myself coming back home and having to counter stereotypes Brazilians have about Canadians. Like, oh, cold, oh, moose. Oh, what else? Moose? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, beavers. Yeah. Not even. They don't say beavers. Raccoon. There's not even a word for beavers. Yeah, yeah. Not or not just a Toronto thing. There's not even a word for beavers. Seriously? I don't think there is. Oh. <gasps> I mean, in Spanish, oh, it's Castor. Oh, never mind. There's a Castor. Yeah, Castor. Yeah. yeah. yeah there is a word. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I found myself having to like fight these stereotypes too. It's like, um, so because at least being here for three years and again mind you that I'm 21 so that's still a considerable portion of my life I consider a little bit more affected by the things that I'm like living over here right it's like okay now I I'm starting to get into Drake and it's like wow um, three years to get me to Drake um, <laughs> or not even and then now I find myself trying to also defending this kind of like where I come from or at least the, the place that I currently call home. I guess that for me, moving forward, I mean, the lesson I learned in the... Uh, how long have I been here? Almost two years, not even. A year and a half in Toronto, um, is don't bar myself from let's call it Canadianness and Canadian culture because it isn't... I don't think any, I don't think it anymore, I used to, but I don't think it anymore. It isn't trying to like replace your own culture. It's like they can coexist. You can like Drake and you can also like Caetano Veloso. It's not... They, they, the two things can't coexist. Two cultures or two things you like, whatever you want to call it, the can exist and you don't have to choose one and completely bar the other. Beautiful. With this, I'm going to wrap up this podcast. I'd like to thank you all very much for coming. Uh, this is a really nice conversation. And um, I would like to remind everyone listening, the podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And that will have our next episode next week. And please stay tuned. So yeah, thank you very much. Ciao. Thanks. Follow us on Instagram. Do we have Instagram? No. No. We will. We will.